And welcome to episode 147 of What Most People Think. I hope you're enjoying this in the sunshine or pissing rain if it's the weekend. Uh, I, I'm on top of the world. You're not supposed to say that as a British person, but I've had, I've had a good week uh, in comedy, you know, which is rare. I'm 45 now. You've got knee pain, regret, disappointment, you know, jealousy issues and stuff. Um, but backstage with Catherine Ryan come out this week, uh, last week rather, and I've got to say thanks for the lovely comments, which is sort of comedian's code for I really want to promote the idea that this has gone all right and that there have been a handful of comments. Uh, but I'm trying to I'm trying to hook more comments is what I'm saying. But but genuinely, there's been a social media reaction to this, which has been really good. So please. Well, I guess this is an obvious hook for you to keep posting that stuff, isn't it? That's what I'm saying here. But do watch the show. If you like your comedy, you're going to fucking love this. And also uh, my comedy special on Radio 4, Well Classy, which will be available um, by the time this goes up. And it was uh, the pick of the week in The Times. And, you know, obviously critics know nothing uh, until they know something. And I tell you who people do listen to is my guest and co-host returning this week is uh, Joint Circuit Comedian of the Year 2021. It's Mark Nelson. Welcome back to the show. Hi, man. Thanks so much for having me back. I know you do the brilliant show, uh, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Uh, is that BBC Radio Scotland? Or it has been. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, the BBC Sounds app as well. BBC Sounds, but it's been picked up. So just describe the show for us, how that all works. It's basically, it's a pretty loose format. It's a kind of, it's a, a uh, it's like a podcast chat disguised as a yeah. panel show. And it's, uh, we get three guests every single week and they tell us a good story that's happened to them in the past week and then some bad stories and then we have different rounds that are unexpected that are kind of game showy. But it, it, it's largely just a chat and it's largely just a chance for comedians to tell funny stories. Well, it's, I mean, it's a great show and it does well. On, on that you. note, I mean, a lot of comedians have been reporting since we've gone back to regular live work about bad behaviour at gigs. Have you had any mm. absolute fucking wrong-ins? Do you know what I did? I did on last Wednesday. I had probably the worst gig I have had in about 10 years. I did a, it was a, a golf charity day. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, straight away. So, I know. So the, the gig was at like half five and you went into a room and it was one of those, you know, those karaoke mics that you get yeah. uh, that just whistle constantly. And it was just a room of about 40 middle-aged, bald, coked-up blokes that yeah. couldn't have given any less of a shit that I was there. And as soon as I came on, they made a point of shouting about how they'd booed off like uh, how they'd booed off the comedian the year before and uh, they were telling me how much Tom Stade had done it and they were like, yeah, Tom Stade only lasted like three minutes and all this kind of shit. And you so know, he's, already, a, he's a world-class comic and you're, also, exactly, you're sort of thinking, I know, I know. God, if I do any longer, that's actually on me. That's actually a bad yes. <laughs> side of, of my <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. <laughs> integrity. Yeah, like me, yeah. Um, but a guy ended up, a guy ended up like proper kind of squaring up to me afterwards. Because he was just so... It's, it always amazes me how angry comedy can make people. Yeah, it is really As weird. opposed to any other live entertainment. I've never got physically furious at a film or at a band. I've walked mm. away going, I don't really enjoy that. But I've never gone, I want to find the person that's delivered this. Can you imagine if the, the film... 
if the film version of the musical Cats had been a, a, like a comedy performance, that would oh, have been God. like a fucking barroom brawl, like proper, you know, yeah. Be- Begbie throwing a pint glass over his shoulder to get it all started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, J- James Gordon in a sack with bricks just throwing into the Thames and shit. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fucking awful. Has anyone ever, ever done that? Just like stood and looked at like uh, 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 the scream, you know, that painting, was it Edmard Munch yeah. and just, and just, just fucking go, where's this cunt live? <laughs> I'll tell you how dare, how dare he well, I mean I suppose the thing about comedy is it, it, there's so much social jeopardy in it and if people have natural anxieties when it goes wrong I think it's a sort of narcissism that they think it's about them like that feeling yeah. that they don't ever wish to think it's not it's, that's the thing it's not ever about you was it something in particular that you'd said that I think triggered that him? It was, it was, it was, it was clearly like I'd, I'd been told afterwards by people that had been in at it for years. They've been going at this day, and he's a he's a well known bellend. Like right. he was a, he caused problems <laughs> every single time, and he was just one of those guys, just one of those really insecure guys that yeah. was probably used to being the loudest in the room. So when attention was focused away from him, he just can't take it. So he needs to kind of, he needs to kind of regain that status that he has yeah i mean it's interesting that he, like as a prick he's got like a body of work behind him like he's oh yeah i mean the guy's oh, wasn't he the guy's first time he's not yeah. like he's a he's a, he's a, he's seasoned, vet, he's a seasoned veteran <laughs> when being a cunt like he was a proper <laughs> five stars the times yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be great wouldn't it if, if the, every once in a while heckler's got reviews you know just like for yeah. creative creativity you know this guy yeah. this guy actually went into a, a one minute um a one-minute monologue about how he still had PTSD from the Falklands. We've never seen that in a comedy (laughs) club. (laughs) Coming up on today's show, we're going to be talking about, there's a lot of political stuff happening. So we're talking about these flights going out to Rwanda, uh, the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, I'll be asking Mark his thoughts on the SNP. And then we'll also be talking, having a good old comedy chat about the Edinburgh Festival. <laughs> is that just is that just a metaphor for what it's going to take yeah, from me financially? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Edinburgh Festival. Let's make it a meme, and um, and we'll be picking up on a sort of social media chat I had about motorway services. And of course, if you are listening for the first time, this is what most people think. This is what we do. We have chats where. What what I found interesting in some of the feedback recently is people go, Jeff, I like your podcast when you have people on I agree with, but when I don't, I don't like it as much. That's weird. You're going to get that, folks. You're going to get one week with Jonathan Pye, uh, who might wind you up if you're a right winger. Then you're going to get Leo Kirst, who might wind you up if you're a left winger. Now, me and Mark Nelson, we're, we're, you know, we're not provocateurs as such, but I'm sure something that we say will piss you off. Um, just to say we've got a domain talking point. I've got a super patron, Mark Nelson, and he is... By that, he pays more than other people. He's not being really good at. <laughs> he's not being really good at being a patron. He, but uh, what, does he, actually, what does he get? What does he get for paying more? Well, he gets he gets to have a talking point. So every every oh, show. Oh, so that's his, ah, see, yeah. So okay. he sends okay. me an email and and makes lots of interesting points about the previous uh, week's show, and I pick up something. So I was thinking. Maybe super Patreon is a thing that I should introduce. You know, obviously artistically, not as a way of trying to bolster the Patreon uh, revenue streams. But, but you know, if you become a super patron, you'll get a very specific benefit. And it might be dick pics. It might be you could come to one of my family do's or something, you know, like really. Yeah. I'm going to really Christmas cheapen. Christmas one year. Yeah. Christmas. I might I'll really cheapen myself for this. Like, yeah. like, I'll give you my mobile number. Yeah. <laughs> 
you could just FaceTime when I'm in the middle of something. But we were talking last week, Mark, about, and I know that you're, you you love your politics, and um, didn't you do an MA in it? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 I've got a degree in politics. Yeah. That, that seems to come as a real shock to you, that. Uh, I forget all the time. It's because I never, I never went to uni to do that. I ended up kind of falling into that because I'd gone to do film studies, and then that had become... I'd initially wanted to write films, and then I'd, yeah. that had become so wanky and so self-indulgent. Yeah. Film studies, the, the theory behind it, that ended up just not going, and I was enjoying being at uni so much. I jumped on a politics course. And ended I up think it's that. good... I mean, when you said film studies, the old-fashioned conservative in me had to mask several responses of disgust. <laughs> you got to think, in my, in my family, my dad, I did English literature, and my old man was mm. like, what the fuck are you doing? What a ridiculous mm. Mickey, Ma- Mickey Mouse subject that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, dad, <laughs> my dad did civil engineering, so I get the similar kind of, yeah. <laughs> but like, English lit is known as being a blue ribbon subject, and he's absolute Mickey Mouse, no real world <laughs> applications. And, and in fairness, he did have a point. Um, so lots of, David um, makes the point, we were talking about John Major. I find John Major fascinating as, mm. as a British Prime Minister. And we were talking about how well he did in that 1992 election, which is often uh, glossed over. And David says that in the 1992, the Conservatives received just over 14 million votes. The highest number, get this, highest number of votes a party has ever received at a UK general election, even taking into account population increase. That's fucking All right, wow. Because I was going to say, like, that that population increase thing. Because I heard a thing about how uh, Biden had become, had got more more votes than any other presidential candidate in history. Mm. And then Trump, behind him in the last election, had got the second most votes yeah, yeah, of yeah. any presidential class. But they'd never, they'd never taken it in the fact that America gets exponentially bigger every single month. So, uh, but that's, that's interesting if it's, if it's taken population into account, that's a huge result. Yeah, and David Demain's really wrong about stuff. He, um, well, you, that thing you're saying about the the presidential election, it feels like one. Of, you know, one of those hundred meter races where they go, the world record was broken, and then the person second also broke the world record. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, was yeah, there some yeah. giant fucking <laughs> fan behind them or something? You know, just just gusting them towards the line. Um, this um, the the vote share that he got. Sorry, the vote count he got was half a million more than Labour received in the inverted commas landslide of 1997. I did not wow. know that. No, I, had I mean, no idea about that. It is weird, like we do, that Labour result. How it produced so many seats because they got like a great vote share, but mm. in subsequent elections, you know what what it took them to get a seat is much harder for like parties mm. like you know the Green Party or, or UKIP and so on. And you know, in that election, the sto- the Tories were sort of routed, but they still managed nine point six million votes, which I think is kind of Ed Miliband level. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it never, yeah, yeah. doesn't feel like a good place to be, does it? Edmund? No, 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 no. Again, Miliband's been one of those guys that's come back. Like, it seems to be, I think, see, once the shackles are kind of let off them. Yeah. You know what I mean? A leadership contest or a, or a, a an election contest, particularly if you're, if you're, if you're high up, you, you seem, when you watch Ed Miliband now, he seems like such a fucking cavalier. He's quite charismatic, isn't he? Big dick, you know. He's just like he's wandering. About, you know what I mean? He's, he's actually very entertaining when you see him. Yeah. When, it, when yeah. It, on those rare occasions he takes over at PNQs, he actually he performs it's way better really, than really well. I mean, the, yeah. What, he's one of the most memorable takedowns of Boris at PMQs. W- wasn't yeah. Starmer? In fact, neither of them were. Angela Rayner and Starmer. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. 
both did a better job. I mean, is it like, you know, when you see like a guy, like a, a cricketer that was quite a good batsman, but but then in the commentary box, he really finds himself as a pundit. Is it like that? I switched off when you mentioned cricket. I'm sorry. I'm I, sorry. I tried. Well, I, I went I went to check myself, but then I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to stereotype. Turns out stereotypes are there for a reason. We've always yeah, that's learned this. <laughs> and, and, and also, like, sort of Ed Miliband is is kind of benefiting from being, you know, like if it was like the in-betweeners. Uh, yeah. Es- essentially, Miliband and Starmer are like Will and, and Simon. And Simon, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, where Will, you go, well, he's a fucking nerd, but he's, at least he's got a bit about him. Whereas Simon, yeah. he's better looking, but you go, oh, my God, this guy's an absolute empty space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my really God. True. I'm thinking, I'm already thinking of memeing something about this. Miller, Ben, and Starmer, <laughs> Will and Smith. Uh, Will and Simon. Um, new patrons. We've got a VIP patron who's taken it upon himself to pay a bit extra. So this is a big shout out to Martin Cox. And I think that we need to make the super patient uh, a thing. So Martin, God knows what access you're going to get to me, mate. You, uh, like I say, you you can come, uh, you, you can come with me and my kid to soft play, just weird stuff like that. Uh, Martin Cox. And also we do, I mean, I'm not, I'm part of the patron thing is that I take the piss out of your name and I'm not going to hold back. Um, Martin, it, well, I actually knew a Martin Cox. Uh, this could well be my teacher at AS level sociology. Which I which I backed out of after two weeks. I just thought fuck. <laughs> I just thought fuck this. It was really hard. One of the things about A levels. Did you do A levels? Uh, so we did. Uh, so A levels is that the is that just before you leave school? No, is no, that, that is that's before university. Yeah, that's before university. So we would have hires. I don't even know. I don't think they're called that in Scotland anymore. We had standard grades and then hires. Whereas I think yeah. you're levels and then A-levels. I mean, given the, the sort of dictatorship you've got up there now, they're just probably called Sturgeons. Have you done your Sturgeons? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, got an A in my Sturgeons. Not that yeah. she's trying to be omnipresent in Scottish life no. or anything. Um, so Martin Cox, thank you so much for becoming a super patron. We've also got another VIP patron who will always get read out at the top of the show, Laura Hayhurst. And that, for me, that has to be the captain of the England women's cricket team. That's a nice Laura- name. Yeah. Laura Hayhurst scored yeah. a, a sparkling 41 before she was caught sweeping. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. I mean, she... <laughs> <laughs> She's been hoovering up balls all over. Yeah, she hoovered up. Imagine that if like you were a commentator and it was your first day on on women's cricket and you were desperately trying not to say anything sexist. Yeah, yeah. And she bowled a maiden over. Can we call them that? Is it a maiden? Does that mean virgin? Oh, shit. That'll make a good sketch. Um, James Fowler, who was a VIP patron, who sometimes there are issues. So I always say this. If you were a patron and you're not getting any notifications, have a look because sometimes they just bump you out, which makes my job a lot of fun. Same for Justin Boone, who I know has the same name as former Australian cricketer David Boone. But Justin Boone is an Australian name anyway. I don't give a shit where you come from, Justin. I don't give a fuck if you come from Ipswich. Justin Boone. Yeah, God. God, yeah, 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 yeah. Justin Boone is the guy that you find out your wife dated for three months when she was backpacking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See how Justin Boone's popped up on your Facebook again, baby. So, <laughs> he's liking a lot. He, he, he's worn the years well, hasn't he, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you never told me he was that tall. <laughs> how, 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 how tall are you, Mark? Uh, 5'11". Oh, that's a good height. See, I entertain. I, I don't know if it is a good height because I've I've always been raging that I would never re- reach six foot because six foot's a good height. That's a good height. What are you? Uh, have a guess. I'd go five ten. Well, that 
Tank, you are literally the only person in Britain that would credit that I'm 5'10". Truth is, I'm not. I spent a while talking it up. Think genuinely thinking I was 5'10". Everyone on stage laughed me out of fucking my own venues for suggesting. And the worst thing was, Mark, I wasn't even suggesting like I was a really big height. Just a very modest claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five, eight and a half. Five, eight and a half. Jesus. Wow, I've never seen seen that, no. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. this is now. Now, you're, this is so rare that people think this. I don't know if you're taking the piss now, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Five, eight and a half. I think. I think. I think COVID. Maybe the vaccinations did something. Took a, <laughs> took a couple of inches off. Um, all right, we're going to do our usual thing here, which is a thank you and a fuck you. It's just one thing that made you happy and one thing that pissed you off this week, which does sound dangerously close actually to your uh, your show uh, in Scotland. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, so. To thank you. I'll mm. go with that first. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the new Top Gun film. Hoping to it see is, it this Saturday. It is incredible. It is. I I, can, I remember when they announced it and I thought, oh God, this looks like it's going to be a bit shit. It's a bit of a cash in. And then when I found out it was going to be Goosey's son and all that kind of stuff, I went to see it in IMAX a couple of weeks ago in Manchester and it is genuinely the best film I've seen in about five years. You know, it's funny there was that when you said the best film I've seen and then you really, that was so heavily qualified down to five years. Yeah. Like if you were 15, that's super meaningful. Once you're at our age, you're like five years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it is genuinely, like it's not just, because I loved it. I loved it originally yeah. because I was a young boy and fighter jets and shit like that. But um, it's a genuinely good film. Like it, like even like when I've read reviews mm. of it, it is a genuinely good, good film. And regardless of how much of Tom Cruise's private life I can't stand, he's a movie star. Like, he's a proper, proper film star. And he looks fucking incredible. He's looking near, he's nearly 60. And he looks, he looks better now than I have ever looked. Like, ever. (laughs) And not, not even, not even close. Like, it's incredible. And he will when he's 80 as well. Let's be honest. That's the thing about Tom Cruise. But they were talking about because they were talking. I read a, a thing about why he looks that good, and I never knew that there was male hormone replacement treatment you could get. I had Go no on. idea that that, that kind of thing. <laughs> I had no idea that kind of thing existed. And uh, no, you see how see how you got my like when I paused there. Do you see how you fully got my attention when yeah, I was like, yeah, 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 keep yeah. talking, man. No, I've not fully looked into it yet. But yeah, apparently that's that's what he takes. It's like it takes the hormone replacement treatment. And it just that, looking incredible. I mean, there was, I loved the story about uh, the, the premiere in Cannes uh, is that he turned up and he flew his own helicopter in. I'm like, yeah. in the eighties, they did that stuff all the fucking time. I remember when yeah. last action hero um, made his debut. I always remember they had a giant inflatable model of Arnie uh, in the <laughs> harbor in Cannes. And obviously all the French people didn't like it. Of course they didn't. But yeah. um, I thought that's, that's exactly that's exactly what what film stars should be yeah. because the problem is is now there's so much great television I almost feel like you need to lean more that way to mm. give films the kind of like status they deserve I mean just a quick mention here for Kenobi which is uh, you know I'm enjoying watching it immensely as a big Star Wars fan on Disney Plus and Ewan McGregor is just fantastic you go this could have been a brilliant two hour film like yeah. you know where the effects were more finished. Just fucking... And you think sometimes, you know, like Disney have gone, all right, Star Wars is about the TV now. You go, maybe it's time to strap on your big boy pants again and commit to a film. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's what I loved about the film. It's just it's just a Hollywood action film. Like, there's yeah. no there's no attempts to be clever. There's no attempts to... 
be meta or anything like that. There's nothing, there's not like a Marvel thing where you desperately need to do anything that's gone before. It's just a film that you go in and you come out feeling delighted and happy and properly pumped. It's brilliant. Well, I, I mean, but you know what Hollywood's like. If something works, they'll do it again. Um, so what I worry is that there'll be a Top Gun metaverse where old Maverick will go back to young <laughs> Maverick and yeah, say, yeah. you shouldn't pull that maneuver. Goose is going to die. And then young Maverick has to work out whether actually in the grand scheme of the fabric of time that Bo- yeah. Goose, Goose needs to die. Then it's all a bit weird. Yeah. yeah, they break the sound barrier and it creates a wormhole. And then they go... <laughs> <laughs> and it ends up with Maverick just getting with Goose's missus before Goose dies. So it's even more... Yeah. His, more, yeah, yeah. his his grief is really fucking complicated. Ah, <laughs> comics can always make a beautiful thing dark, can't we? Um, what about the fuck you this week? Fuck you! I'm going to give to the Scottish trains um, because it's still not been sorted out. Because I know, I know, England are about to. When is it? When's the, the RMT strike? Is it like the 21st? 22nd? 21st, 23rd, 25th, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to feel this. We've had this now for nearly going on a month, where basically you cannot... Like last week, so last week uh, Scotland played Armenia at home and ScotRail, who are the official runners of the trains up here, but the SNP took it over to make things more efficient and to make things more reliable. Mm. uh, And since then it's been an absolute... And it's not all of the SNP's fault, but it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a disagreement between drivers wanting basically what they've been running. This is really boring, but they've been wanting. A, no, no, um, it's the kind of thing we don't get any info on. They've been a, they've been running a, a system for years where because there's there's too big of a timetable, they rely on drivers taking on overtime and working mm. on their days off, uh, and without that there aren't enough drivers to cover all of the trains and all of the uh, journeys that are needed. So when it came back to there was a pay strike, what they said was, well, we're not going to strike. We're just not going to work those extra hours anymore. So suddenly Mm. you had entire journeys and entire trains without any staff. So this has been going back and forward, back and forward, and Mm. the Scottish government have refused to get involved in it, which has, I think dragged on a lot longer but it's fucking ridiculous at the, at the game last week scott rail's advice to people going to see scotland v armenia was if you want to get home leave at half time that that was the advice because they refused I mean, to put on anything else i'm sure this joke's been done but there's other advice you could give about scotland armenia is don't you could, go, just don't go why, at all <laughs> why would you even have thought about this what fucking mental decision it it's was really, it's really making it's really affecting because there's been so many people that have not gone to see concerts because there's been some huge concerts, particularly in Glasgow, in the past couple of weeks, and people have gone, I can't go anymore because the last train to Edinburgh is at eight o'clock. This is one of the things I think with the RMT and Aslif as well is that you know it's the first year where stuff is essentially could be totally normal. People have booked stuff, they're looking forward to it. So as much as you try and and look, obviously. You say the word unions to me. My back does get up into the fucking yeah. union. You know, I can be like, but I do respect, you know, the the, the capacity people should have to organise themselves, you know, uh, mm. uh, in terms of, 
you know, getting more money and stuff like that. But you go, God, this year, man, it is. And, and also when you go, I, I know all the like signalers and, and, the, and the, the station staff aren't all as on big money, but the train drivers are earning genuinely fucking good money. Like there's no, there's yeah. no getting around that. I mean, I've, I've, you know, when, you know, when like um, the train pulls in, you're with your kid and you wave to the driver. I've stopped waving. I've stopped waving. <laughs> it's just jealousy. I turn around and like, you know, those pro, you know, when people turn their back on the hacker. Yeah. Just get your kid to do that to them. Just like a wanker sign at them. <laughs> yeah. Or just ask for money, basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we will be talking about the SP and stuff like that coming up. But uh, first up, let's talk about, first up, let's talk about Rwanda. So, as you'll know, uh, the government, in their bid to sort of uh, reduce the amount of dangerous channel crossings, uh, came up with this plan, which was to fly people to Rwanda. At first, a lot of people thought it was flying there for um, for processing, but it turns out there was that once you process, you would uh, live in Rwanda, which is obviously a, a contentious idea that's got a lot of people's backs up. Uh, it's been through the courts and stuff, but eventually, it does seem that the plane either is leaving or it would have left by now uh, with a with a princely total of roughly, I think, eight people on board. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really exercised people. Before we get into the serious part of it, Mark. I mean, for those eight people, forget what happens when they get there. That's a pleasant flight, isn't it? Lots that's of leg room. A, that's a cracking flight, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, the, there is this weird thing which I've mentioned before where people go, uh, don't don't say that Rwanda's shit. Why are you being racist about Rwanda? And you go, look, I don't know what Rwanda is exactly like now, but for a lot of the last 10 years, it's been sort of like a touchstone of place you wouldn't necessarily want to go. Yeah. Um, now, personally, I, I, I mean, what is your general take on this first, Mark? I think it's. I, th- I think it's. Uh, I don't think it was ever going to work. Um, I understood. I understood that the, the, they needed a deterrent, but mm. from what I understand of numbers that have continued, because when it was introduced, um, the the numbers of illegal crossings that had happened in the couple of weeks afterwards, they announced that oh they're down, they're down. This deterrent's clearly working already. And they didn't. They failed to say that the, the seas had been ridiculously choppy at that time. And since then, they've started to rise again. So I don't really see the deterrent working. I think it was a policy, as very much of Johnson's government's policies are, to distract from other stuff. And they're so sensational, mm. the policies. They're so fucking... Mm. They're so, like, Daily Star front pages. You know, like, the most... I mean, it- it's almost like a bingo thing. Like they've, they've kind of gone, right, what are we going to do with them? Right, fly them somewhere. Right, spin the wheel again. Where are we going to send them? Rwanda. <laughs> there you go. It's that kind of... This doesn't seem to be any thought behind it. And the, the challenges to it, and I think I think the past couple of days, I think it's, it's a very, very bold move for them to be going up against... Because it, was it the Archbishop of Canterbury that came out? To mm. say that it Prince, is Prince Charles and Prince Charles. So for the for the the current government to be enacting a policy and going up against both the church and the royal family, it's bold. It really it is. is bold. I mean, I'd say on the other one, th- a criticism that people have made of Justin Welby. I still I can't get over the fact that his name's Justin. Just, Justin, like, it's it too, doesn't suck. It's no. Too fucking young. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in, in, in Justin Welby, like, what's, what's his his, his other <laughs> quote? Like Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> Zane. <laughs> 
Um, but I, I mean, first up, I'm surprised you, you, you're right in what you say about the sea. I'm surprised that they didn't immediately claim that as the choppy waters policy that started yeah, to, yeah, yeah, started yeah, to yeah. bring uh, uh, immediate results. And, and the thing is, I've often pushed back. You know, it's very easy to level accusations at this government and say like that they're Trumpian and stuff. This is definitely a bit further down that that road and it, there is something quite haphazard i do want a government to take on tricky things that's one of my criticisms of labor that they just they just don't they only have platitudes when it comes to the tricky stuff it does feel like there must be a, a line somewhere between open borders man no nations and uh, a one-way ticket to rwanda yeah it is it is it's both it's it's the ends of the extreme in both and there's been no thinking in between but that that kind of sits with the current UK government, anyway, and 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 Labour as well. There doesn't seem to be any kind of, not I, I hate that term out of the box thinking, but there doesn't mm. seem to be any any discussion and any original ideas that haven't failed before, in terms of this one is these definitely. Kind of this one is definitely original. It's just it's a, yeah. It's but is is it, is it any good? That that's the point. I think you're. Is the real acid test of this is will this work in the long run? And I think what will happen is it'll get so bound up in the courts. There'll be so many lawyers that jump on it that, that probably there'll be a handful of people going. That news will get people back, uh, get back to the camps in Calais, and therefore it probably is unlikely to work. Uh, in the in the long run, I mean, if we could just sort of criticise the left and their reaction here is that they often like they take refuge, as I say, in these kind of incantations. You know, these things that they just sing to themselves over and over again, like a kid put his fingers in his ears, and they just go safe passage, safe passage, safe passage. And that feels like a that's a great thing to say, isn't it? Give people safe passage. But you go, but at some point you need to tie down how that works and what the numbers are, because yeah. even even like most left wing people would would probably agree you need some sort of immigration policy for a nation state right mm-hmm. but it just seems that every single example of how you enforce that makes them queasy and they yeah. just they just retreat into fucking you know sort of putting on putting flowers in their hair eating yeah. <laughs> i was just going to go into pejorative uh, insult which basically <laughs> related them as hippies but 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 they just they just descend back into virtue signaling yeah but then they don't i mean there is no I mean, the main thing I think needs to be done is there needs to be something to deal with the fact that people are being forced to cross illegally. That's that's the kind yeah. of that when people are dying, and when you've got you've got guys that are making a huge amount of money and uh, trafficking these people across the channel in very dangerous situations. That's mm. what needs to be dealt with, uh, and. That that doesn't that doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to have been considered at any point. I mean, one. I, I mean, you look at the way that the police track it. I guess there's. I mean, obviously at the moment between Britain and France, there's a general lack of cooperation. But you go, did somebody buy a massive speedboat recently? That would be. That yeah, would seem to yeah, be. Yeah, uh, yeah, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who bought a job lot of twenty five life <laughs> life jackets, uh, five in the kid size? I think it's. I think it's far more interesting. Uh, Prince Charles getting involved because he seems he, well the same kind of thing he seems itching to get involved and in, because there's been a few times where he's piped up about various political aspects and hmm. and I think I think I think that's a thing that English voters would take a lot more seriously than than a religious figure getting involved in politics I think the royals I mean, getting involved because the Queen has always been so. Out with it. She's. I mean, she's never broke rank at all 
in offering. And clearly, she fucking hates Johnson because she couldn't have she couldn't have got out of more jubilee stuff if she'd tried last week. So. <laughs> she was like, "Thank fuck, I'm really old." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God. No, no one questions anything when you're 96. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like you know when you have got a young kid and you just pull out of stuff. Being 96, yeah. just 96, mate. I'm 96. I mean, it's interesting you say that. Like you're right. It's, stuff from the royal family uh, does have a big impact. They're also not that dissimilar in a way that no one chose them. You know, they don't actually have exactly, any official yeah. role in this stuff but for whatever reason uh, um, their voice counts I mean the funny thing with Charles was it, it, the way it was sold to us was that he was overheard saying yeah. that the random policy was appalling I'm sorry man overheard what was he was he on the roof at fucking Windsor Palace with a megaphone because <laughs> that stuff does not get into the public no, eye unless somebody the Prince Charles was distressed to learn that the thing that he had decided to say yeah. uh, to his press officer got into the press yeah, I mean exactly. it, yeah <laughs> I mean, it would be funny, right, if, if all the people that hate Meghan and Harry are like, thank God we got rid of them, and then Charles becomes king and he's woker than anything they've ever oh, said. Oh, God, like, yeah, that'd be incredible, yeah. <laughs> he's literally like, he goes down the road of going, I actually think if you eat anything that can move, like plants that turn to face the sun, that's actually murder. You're like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Okay, the Northern Ireland Protocol. So when, when Britain got their oven-ready deal with the EU, which I often say, look, oven-ready... When you put a meal in the oven, it's only partially cooked, isn't it? So maybe oven ready was true if you actually get into the real metaphor of it. <laughs> it oven ready meals are never fully cooked. You've got to do a bit more cooking. But um, but the, the Northern Ireland Protocol, so we, we always felt this is something that might be revisited. There were even noises um, at, at the time. And now the government have bought out a bill about how the ways in which they intend to unilaterally change it right uh, and they, they've, they've sort of said it, look, the eu will be fine with this uh, so there is a, and they've said oh, it won't actually disadvantage them in any way which you know seems like well why uh, would you do it but i mean just first up get your first thoughts on, on this mark how do you feel about the british government trying to sort of tweak the northern ireland protocol i think it's i think i think what's what's been interesting over the past couple of weeks is there is not awakening up because that's the kind of wrong but there is there's a lot more chatter about the disadvantages and problems that Brexit has caused, which isn't which used to be used to be batted away by the kind of bravado that you get someone like Jacob yeah. Rees Mogg would come out and spout a lot of rhetoric and then it'd be forgotten about. Whereas that doesn't seem to be cutting the criticisms down anymore. Hmm. Uh, and like you say, this was always going to come around. Um, because it, it, at the time, it generally did seem it didn't. It generally did seem like it was something they were so determined to get through. That was that was an entire that that was the entire election. That was the get Brexit yep. done. Yeah. That it was, was a it. single issue election. That's yeah. all we needed. That's all they needed to do. That was it. It didn't really matter, and it was always going to cause some problems. And it's I don't I don't disagree that the EU are probably making it as difficult as they can. But then I also go, why shouldn't they? Because this was mm. something that was agreed by the British government, that was pushed through by the British government, which was heralded as an incredible success by the British government. So for them to now renege on a lot of the agreements in it and to want to rip it up does seem a bit rich. 
Well, there was there's an article thirteen A, and I only know this because I re- revised to go on question time, which does say that that if there are better arrangements in place, it can be you know worked upon. Uh, it, but in coalition, you know that that's the key point here. Is, is that I mean, realistically, the, the EU—that's the only thing that bugs me about this. I'm up for any debate about British government's conduct, competence, but we still have this thing where some people act like the EU are just naturally referees. You know, they're yeah. not players on the other side. They're these kind of clear-headed, objective, yeah. just just trying to do the right thing for the continent and the island of Ireland. You go, really? You know, yeah, if you look yeah. at EU's history, that's not exactly who they are. But I suppose, again, in a similar way to the Rwanda thing, it comes down to practicalities. We know, ultimately, in the long run, this deal, as it currently is, isn't going to work. I mean, the one thing I've learned about the DUP is not massive on letting things go. No. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, hold a grudge. They really do. <laughs> They are, you know what I mean? They, they, they'll dig in. Yeah. They'll dig in the DUP on this. So, you know, until there's some move on this, we can't resume the power sharing uh, uh, body uh, instalment. So is what we're in here essentially another negotiation between Britain and the EU? So just like when we were leading up to the deal here, we're like, oh, it can't work. It will never work. There will never be any concessions. And then they all yeah. shake hands and look happy. And you think, oh, brilliant. I'm really glad I spent the last few months stressing out about this. Yeah. But it turns out you lot were just, you know... Play, playing the game effectively. Well, that's the thing. That I mean, that well, we're all at the mercy of people playing the game in terms of politics. But um, this is why I thought I always thought with I understood that uh, a break uh, an EU membership discussion needed to happen. Um, I knew that under the Tories, it had been building for so long, and it was such a bone of contention within them. What I would have liked to have happened was a kind of split referendum where there was the initial referendum that we had was uh, do we want to now pursue the idea of leaving the EU or are we quite happy just leaving things as they are? I imagine, of course, it would have then gone to, yeah, and then it would have gone on to a couple of years of negotiations and discussions and then an actual deal brought back to the people and going, right, this is what we've now got. This is what we were getting into. These are the pros. These are the cons. Do we still want to go through with this? I think that is, you know, a lot of people have realised that the questions that you ask in referendums are really fucking important. Do you know what I mean? They're so binary. They, that's, the, that's the problem. It's like... They're, it, it's, but they, they're leading questions in their own yeah. way. I mean, you... you So you supported Indi- independence in 2014. Is that correct? Yes. Or have I got that one? Yeah. So if the, if the British government had offered a question that was along those lines of, do you want to explore... How would you have felt about that then? Would you have felt that they were palming you off or well, what's the point... In, no, in voting, they'll, they'll just stymie it. I would have thought that would be a a more realistic and more logical question to ask. And I think that's mm. what I think. Because I, I know, like as we're speaking today, um, Sturgeon is going to release the first wave of whatever is going to be her push to get a, another indie ref vote by the end of twenty twenty three. And I imagine mm. that's that that seems to be the way things are going now. Because at the last Indy referendum, um, and as as a supporter of Scottish independence, I there was loads of questions that were left unanswered. Like literally, mm. like the 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 idea of a currency was never even like it wasn't even nearly answered. It was just a ah, things will be yeah. fine. That was a that was very much. Mm. And I don't. I think now going into a second Indy referendum campaign, 
which it seems like we're going to. I don't. I think the experience of Brexit will mean it can't be that black and white. It can't be do we split up the union or don't we split up the union. There needs to be some. You're right. I mean, the voters are more. Voters are more savvy now. And so on the one hand, you've got the unpopularity of... I mean, I don't think people in England realise how fucking unpopular Boris is in Scotland. It's not, you know, not even Theresa May, David Cameron were nowhere near as unpopular. He literally motivates people as a movement to march and stuff. Uh, But on the other hand, like you say, voters are more savvy and they've seen, you know, the difficulties of getting a bigger deal when you are, for want of a better word, the junior partner in a sort of economic union. So that might be while the numbers have slipped back. You know, there was a period where it looked like yes was ahead for a while now mm. no is is consistently ahead i mean you don't have to answer this but i mean if there was a binary question again what how would you fall this time in terms of scottish independence if it's a binary question I'd, i would vote against it um because what what there's a group of voters in scotland that annoy the piss out of me and it's people that have no real allegiance to any party or any real allegiance to any political ideology they just want scotland to be independent regardless like it is it is that it is that hard brexiteer idea where there was people going but this might push us over a cliff and then going Mm. i don't i don't care i'm quite happy to drive right over the cliff as long as we're out of europe there are people yeah. in Scotland that are like that. And there are people in Scotland that will readily admit that they are not SNP supporters, but they purely see them as a means to an end to become. And the, 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 the argument always is, well, as soon as we get independence, then we can vote the SNP out. And you go, but it will be them that is in power and doing the deal that we will be left mm. with. So you don't have any faith with them just now. But it would be them that's it would be them that's negotiating what Scotland's going to look like after that. It's not going to be like it's not there's not going to be an independence referendum, and then if it's a yes, there's a general election the next day. Hmm. They are going to be in power, and they are going to stay in power. So you talk about the marriage of convenience between sort of uh, people who want independence and the SNP. I've always thought it's kind of weird that, you know, the SNP are particularly woke on certain issues. You know, they're very left-wing and progressive. There is no logical connection between that and the cause of Scottish independence. Like you could have very conservative people that wanted Scottish independence, you know, or socially conservative at least. Is it like SNP is like, you know when you get Sky Sports and you really only want one thing. Yeah. Like, I want the test cricket. But you have to have all this other shit yeah. that goes with it. You go, all right, self-identification overnight, fine. Um, you know, if I'm into independence or, or, or another issue like that, is, is, does that happen up uh, north of the border? I imagine that there, there, there is a part of that. Yeah, I think um, I think the SNP have seen... Uh, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think the SNP are as liberal as they would like people to believe or a lot of their supporters believe um i think they i think of all parties in the whole of the uk i think there is i think criticism of the snp is looked at far more harshly than any other party i think it's it's like for some people it's almost a criminal act to criticize any SNP policy, regardless of performance or anything, I noticed that through through COVID, um, the, the 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 party line seemed to be. And Nicola Sturgeon came out and said this. And Nicola Sturgeon is an incredible politician, like a career politician, an incredibly good mm. and competent politician. But 
a lot of mistakes were made and uh, a hell of a lot was made a mess of, but they always had that fallback of... Like, the defence seemed to be, well, we're not as bad as Johnson and the Tory government. And that's mm. not a great bar to have of yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's, like it's kind, no, no, you're right. Like you're kind of going, I'm only the second ugliest person in Greg's. You know, you're kind of like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. You're, you're, you're still ugly as fuck. But it but does it's... play. <laughs> it does play in Scotland. I mean, that's what part of what I wanted to speak to you about. You, over the last year or so in particular, have, have become, you know, you've, you've said a lot, like you've come out and criticised the SNP about things. I don't think people realise how brave that is as a comic. You know, you talk about, you know, being right of centre down here. I mean, you'll get kickback for that, I, I presume. Oh, yeah. Because, But is it that people just like, the SNP have almost done a Trumpian thing whereby if you don't love the SNP, you don't love Scotland sort of Pretty thing? Pretty much, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, patriotism uh, is dressed up as nationalism. And um, it is that way that uh, people would be... Even if even if uh, I was there's there's an there's an assumption that if you do criticize SNP, you have no you've no faith in Scotland. That is that running down of how dare you? Uh, Johnson mm. does this as well. Like why are you talking down Britain? Why are you saying we're not yeah, this yeah. great country? And it's not. You're, I'm not. I'm not saying that in the slightest. I'm not talking about Scotland as a country. I'm not talking about the Scottish the population as a country. I'm not talking about the Scottish voter. What I'm talking about is the current government that we have that. I find to be a. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of the a lot of them are incompetent because I think in particularly not the last Scottish election but the election before I think there was such an appetite for change that in some constituencies you could have literally dressed a dog in a fucking CU Jimmy hat. And it would have been it would have been elected. It would have. And what you have now, though, is you have a, a party and a government full of fairly incompetent people that are well over are way over their heads in terms of the job they're doing. And I think you can see that in the way Nicola Sturgeon has complete overrule of her party. She doesn't delegate anything. She is no, across no. everything. You noticed it with. The briefings during COVID, there, there were so few that she didn't do. And a lot of people accused that accused her of being media hungry. And she was referred to constantly throughout the pandemic as TV's Nicola Sturgeon because she was constantly there <laughs> all the time. And I See, these are things that we don't get down south because like the liberal sort of press down here have got this infatuation with her. Yeah. And they don't understand that in, in Scotland, like first up, half of the people don't vote SNP. Yeah. And then of the people that do, there are a lot of people that, that have issues. So consequently, when I did my tour show in, in Glasgow, I like I... Like the appetite when I started critique, I didn't spend long on Nicola Sturgeon. I mean, I was just sort of saying about how sorry I felt for her when she had to drag herself out in front of the cameras reluctantly every day mm-hmm. against her will. And I, I said, it was, eventually, it seemed like she was pitching a chat show, you know, like a, <laughs> a sort of post politics yeah. Channel Five daily midday, you know, light-hearted chat show. But what I did get, and this is what I'm interested in from you, is this laugh from a certain bit in the room was like, "Ha ha, no, not from you." Like yeah. they just, there is a defensiveness, even in I would say Scottish Conservatives is like, oh, is he attacking Scotland here? But that's what I'm wondering is, is if whether you get a degree, uh, you know, a, a similar degree of that. Um, yeah, you do. I think it'd be a lot easier for me to do it. But just, just, yeah. to, just to go back very quickly about the 
I didn't subscribe to the fact that it was because she was media hungry. I genuinely thought it's because she knew no one else in her cabinet is able to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like that's that she has no faith in her cabinet. So uh, she needs to have. I, I don't think she has any faith in the skills of the people that she has to employ as ministers. So that's why it comes across as a dictatorial uh, regime here, if you like, because she is over everything, because she has to be over everything, because if she isn't, someone's going to fuck up along the way. So I, this is this is great insight. And, you know, we don't get to talk about the SNP in detail. And it turns out that what, what seems like a sort of presidential sl- slash autocratic thing is basically the equivalent of, of a husband going, babe, I, I can't find the suitcase. Yeah. And her just knowing over many years to not try and shout instructions up the stairs, but get in the loft her yeah, fucking self. Yeah. She's Gareth Bale. That's what she is. She's Gareth Bale. She's Gareth Bale on <laughs> the Welsh team. And she goes... Gareth, give the ball, give the ball to Nicola. That's literally uh, it, yeah. So just a quick hype here. Uh, we've got some uh, new, more new patrons. We've got James Fouracres who just sounds like the romantic hero in a cheap erotic thriller, <laughs> doesn't he? Then James Fouracres entered the room and the air pressure, the air pressure seemed to change as the bulge in his trousers. Uh, Ryan McGregor, who just sounds like, if I, if I was writing uh, a TV drama about kind of, uh, about Ulster in the 70s, mm. that would just be the name I'd pick for a guy that went and did jobs on people. Ryan McGregor. <laughs> Who the can, notorious Ma- McGregor's. Who killed your brother? Ryan McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan McGregor. After seven years. Um, uh, Andrew McVan. I think Andrew McVan, I've been watching that new Sky Atlantic show, uh, we, we Own This City, and, right. and it's made by the same guy that made The the, the Wire. And McVan just sounds like a detective from yeah, The Wire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, McVan! Ah, <laughs> oh, chief, chief. Get him up. What are you... Uh, Wait, yeah. you uh, are you are you busting chops or uh, you give him a little tickle there, McVan? Drunk on the job again, McVan? Yeah, it's so. De- I mean, it, why is it so seductive that idea of drunk cops with bad personal lives? I mean, it'd be yeah, awful to be I that know, person. A high pressure job. The public hate you. Uh, your wife's left you, and you're an alcoholic. Yeah. And we're going, God, God, I'd love to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be McVan. <laughs> The and also, but I suppose the the one payoff is that McVan every once in a while will have really seedy sex. Oh yeah, under uh, a bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting cheered on by methods. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just in terms of hypes, as I say, backstage with Catherine Ryan, uh, do watch that uh, tweet about it. And as I said, the Radio Four special, well classy, which by the time you listen to this will be available. And of course, uh, the book is still out by Amazon. Um, Obviously, Mark, we're going to talk a bit about Edinburgh in a while, but is there any online stuff? I mean, obviously, people should check out all your socials and stuff like that. Yeah. Any stuff that I should direct people to? Um, so uh, my comedy special is on YouTube. Uh, that Fuck, that was one of the main reasons you're doing the show. I can't, you should have mentioned it earlier. <laughs> of course, this is yeah. why we got in touch. Yes. Yeah. This, so this is a thing that a lot of comics are doing now. They film comedy specials. These are the kind of things that you'd see on Netflix and on streaming services, but you can watch it for free on YouTube. Yeah. So tell us a bit about it. So I filmed it last year, um, just after, uh, just when, it, when everything was allowed out, uh, allowed open again. 
And uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd watch because American comics have been doing it for ages, putting stuff out on mm. YouTube because, I mean, the, 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 the days of people releasing DVDs are long gone. Mm. No one would buy a, a stand-up DVD anymore. Um, yeah. And Netflix deals, Amazon deals are for the massive comics. So, mm. I, 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 you know yourself, like, a lot of that material you're not doing any more anyway. So mm. it was a show I was really proud of and I really loved doing. So I did it I did it for eight nights at Edinburgh last year. And uh, it's the quickest I've ever, ever put a show together because I've decided to do Edinburgh about three weeks or something before it was due mm. to start. So I had to get an hour together. And then it kind of, it felt like a proper Edinburgh because the show developed throughout the festival. And then I did a couple of dates at various stands and then I just funded it myself and got it filmed and then it's now on YouTube to watch for free. And how people, I mean, obviously if people uh, search Mark Nelson, it will probably come up as the first thing, but just yeah. in case, what's the title it's of it? It's called Don't Call It A Comeback. Don't Call It A Comeback. Yeah. All right, so check that out on YouTube. We're going to continue the comedy chat right now. Okay, so Edinburgh, you're doing it again this year. Yep. Uh, are you are, are you there for a full run? Yes, because I'm doing the pussy one. I'm I'm up there for 14 days, but you're doing the full run. But you you do live up there. I mean, are you going to commute or do you stay in Edinburgh for the I, festival? I commute most days. Um, if there's late yeah. late night shows, which I don't know if there'll be that huge amount of them again this year, because mm. uh, I know late and live is moving to like an actual civil time as opposed to going on stage at half three in the morning. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So this is a, a well-known late show at yeah. Edinburgh. And late shows really used to mean late. I mean, it didn't start till like 1am yeah, in the morning. Yeah, Which I always thought was, even in the, the heyday of late drinking, I always thought that was just a bit fucking needless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, I quite like them. I, I quite, I find, I find late shows a bit pointless now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. that, like I liked, I liked, uh, I mean, it might, it might be that kind of, it's not even rose tiny spectacles because I wasn't even doing comedy then. But when you watch the footage of the days when like Daniel Kitson and uh, Russell Howard was on them, and uh, they were know, genuinely—I like, know the word anar- anarchic yeah. gets used by comedy critics, but they genuinely were out of control. Something. Yeah, and it, it, it did look. It, it looked like what late shows I think should always be, which was a place to go for all comics to drink afterwards and then some will get on and then other ones might jump on. And do you know what I mean? You, you, that kind of sense of you never know what's going to happen, which yeah, I don't, that, I don't think to... exists anymore because I think comedy's far too professional now that people will. Yeah, no, it has been sanitized. I mean, yeah. I remember in 2006, there was a bunch of late shows. There was Full Mooners. There was the, yeah. the Fat Cave with Mickey D. I saw one of the funniest things I've ever seen. This is just the most basic form of comedy where Mickey D went on stage at the beginning of the Fat Cave, and that was that had a real anarchic feel about it. And um, he said he said um, he sort of spoke to some South African guys uh, on the top balcony in that room of the TV at nightclub, and um, one of them just threw a tennis ball and it hit him straight in the bollocks. <laughs> and it was just so funny because obviously you know you can imagine the the tennis ball has a sort of like a dull impact, which is the worst thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it was a cricket ball, it might have even been better because it would just hit the bone and stuff. Yeah. But a tennis ball, it disperses it. <laughs> and Mickey had a moment, and the funniest bit was Mickey had about five seconds where he thought he was going to be okay, and then he just slowly went down to the floor. Amazing. 
I mean, one of the things about the festival that I wonder, you know, there's a lot of chat about class these days, and I, I've grown to love and appreciate the festival, but it's been a very reluctant journey mm. for me. And do do you think people like us, Mark, that we have like a bit of a chip on our shoulders when we go to the... Do working class acts carry a bit of that with us, or is it something we're just picking up on that is actually um, existing there? No, I don't, I don't think it is a chip. I think it's... I, I, think, I think I'd be coming at it from a different angle to you, because... You'd be coming from down south, um, because for for years Scottish Scottish comedians have been ignored largely at the festival mm. in terms of uh, any press, uh, any real coverage. Um, and there is, I, I, I think there is a, I think there was a sneeriness about. I don't know if it even is a class thing. I think it's a, it's like what we were talking about right at the start. It's the type of comedian that you are. Um, some people would rather you weren't at the festival, and those people aren't the audiences. I mean, on the other hand, you know, there are there are people trying to fly the flag for for different. So I've benefited uh, in a certain way, but that that's what I wonder. You know, we could, but the thing is, being working class, we can moan and slag off the fringe and stuff like yeah. that. Whereas the middle class acts aren't allowed to moan, but they might. That's one of the things about being middle class now. You probably have a lot of the same problems. You're probably also annoyed by twatty Amdram groups trying to yeah. fly you on the way to the gig and high accommodation prices. But weirdly, with being middle class, there's just a period of time where you're not allowed to bitch about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, um, I, I, I think, I think with it, with the fringe, and I don't know if, I mean, there's, there's so many problems with the fringe that I, I hoped that, because last year was the kind of perfect kind of fringe because it was just a lot of local people go to watch shows and hmm. very little press was there. There was no PR people whatsoever, so that was that was nice. There was so that it felt like more of a collective. There felt like there was more camaraderie between comics as well. There wasn't the usual yeah. standing in bars talking to someone while they're watching over your back to see if someone more important that they should be talking to it was happening. Didn't do you know? Like what, do you know the worst thing is about that is that I both highlight that, but I also do it. You know, like. <laughs> Because it is a phenomenon in Edinburgh, but then you are in certain bars, and then you'd be, I mean, right? Let's just be brutally honest here. Like you're in there, and there's some like like really cool people, and then you do get bogged down speaking to some fucking nomad. You think <laughs> you're just not. <sighs> Why am I? I'm not talking about members of the public. I'm talking about industry yeah. people. You're going, how the fuck have I? I did one gig for this guy in fucking Gloucester yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. I could be talking to Ardell Hanlon, mate. <laughs> you know. You're not even bringing good chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, th- I think the, the, the main problem is I, I, I do think that there is a, a a lack of respect in Edinburgh for a certain type of comedian. That, yeah. uh, and it's the type of comedian that are the biggest comedians in the country. Um, mm. Do you know what I mean? Like like a Bridges or a, a John Bishop or a Manford and stuff like that. That's not the kind of comedy that people want. That that that's then, that's the kind of comedy that the audience want, but it's not the kind of comedy that the mm. industry want at Edinburgh. And let's just talk about one other thing that's comedy related. I had a little chat on Twitter this week, and I, I have spoken about this before, but I was just mentioning that we need to stop. You know, in terms of how we do our jobs and how we travel, let's stop and acknowledge the evolution of service stations within our lifetime. 
because we're, we're, we're a similar sort of age and service stations when you and I were growing up, quite seedy places really, yeah. often uh, canteen-based food. Yes. You know, it was sort of like serious Eastern European vibes <laughs> under communism. <laughs> and then I was... I was just at services. In the last couple of weeks, I went to Beaconsfield, which I've already given credit to on this show before. There's a Pizza Express, there's a Weatherspoons, there's kind of like offices you can rent, there's an Indian, you know, there's, there's, I mean, there's just a lot yeah. there. It's, it's a hotel. It's They're fucking resorts, yeah. aren't they now? Yeah. They're resorts. Yeah. T-Bay, that's the, that's the jewel in the T-Bay got a lot of traction. Oh, my so, God. Talk, talk me through T-Bay. So T-Bay, so where is it? It's just, just above Manchester. Uh, if you're going down south, so it'll be around about in a Lake District area, just like right. Lower Cumbria, Lake Districty, and it's it's just a beautiful. It's got it's got a duck lake. It's uh, on both sides, and it's got like it's it's uh, the the food that you get in there. So if you come in and you're looking for fast food, this is their fast food. It's a yeah. It's a pie stall. I mean, it, it's like freshly yeah. made pies. You can get, like, I got a mint and lamb pie the last time I was in there. But you get in a box, you can take back to your car with a fork. It's incredible. And then if you go into the actual restaurant part of it, it is freshly made, very good, home-cooked uh, food. You know, it's, it's like it's like classic pub food. Uh, and it's amazing. And it's delicious. And then they've got a f- farm shop attached to it as well, so you can... Fucking hell! I mean, it, it, it needs. They need to have a slogan like T-Bay, Come for the petrol, stay for the week. Because <laughs> you, you could stay at some of these places. I mean, yeah. one, one of them that's not perhaps as aesthetically pleasing, but I just want to give credit to for it. It's come a long way. Is Peterborough Services at the top of that weird A1M bit? He's the, it's got. I mean, it's like a lot of the modern ones now. It's got a ridiculous amount of food choice now. You can get Mexican, you can get Chinese food. It's got a pizzeria there wow. and i'm not talking like get yourself a slice and sit down with a thing i'm talking sit down cutlery like to the point where i recently said to my wife i said i think i mean i regret saying it because of her reaction i said but there's a really good pizzeria at peterborough <laughs> services now i was thinking we go for an anniversary <laughs> but um do email in what most people think uk at gmail.com <laughs> this is i've gone pure partridge here now and we'll give your favorite motorway service station a shout out Um, just before we go uh, quickly, just one letter here. This is from Doug. Uh, I just think Doug, he, Doug, it still seems like a Scottish name, but it might not be. I, I, I think Doug might be. I uh, just uh, Doug Douglas. At a guess, a Scottish Tory living in England. And I'll tell you why I think this is. That, is calling Nicola wee Jimmy cranky any more offensive than the insults which go to Boris? I mean, what is the vibe with that? Because she is a powerful woman, right? And and you know, I mean, obviously, it's a very over familiar trope. We Jimmy Cranky. I mean, I have seen some photoshops that are so fucking good <laughs> that I still laugh at, at, at the joke. I mean, what what are the kind of you know they always talk about punching up and punching down. What are the rules of engagement with Nicola? Is it different because she's a woman? I don't think it should be. Um, I, I, I find no. I find the wee Jimmy Cranky stuff. It's just a bit. It's just really tired. Like it's just mm. it's just been it's been done for so so long. It's just a bit. 
it's just a bit. Shite. Well, you were probably hearing it before we did. That, yeah. That's the problem. Is is it took a while to come down. It probably is is up there with the you know Andy Murray when he loses his British. Yeah, he, you know, uh, yeah, just tired banter. So you Scottish. Yeah, I mean, I would say that this one Photoshop I saw though was just so funny. It was so genuinely well done. <laughs> that, that it, 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 I mean, yeah, that's the point. Is you can call Nicola a helmet head. People call her as well. Yeah, I've never heard that one. Helmet, I do, I do, I do like helmet head. Maybe it's just going on yeah. the alliteration. I mean, I think that I, I personally don't agree with you know. I think anybody in politics uh, uh, is fair game. There was there was a period I remember. I think now things are a bit more chilled out. But a few years ago, when feminism was really really strident again, I remember like even just why would you criticise a woman in politics? It's so hard for her. Mm. And then you go, but look at her hair. <laughs> Uh, Mark Nelson, man, thank you so oh, much for coming man. back uh, back on the show. And uh, just give us the details about your Edinburgh run again. Uh, my Edinburgh run, I'm at the Monkey Barrel every night uh, from the third. I think I've taken the two Mondays off, uh, and yeah. uh, right the way through the twenty eighth. It's on at five past seven every night at Monkey Barrel. Five past seven. We're not on at the same time. That is good news because sometimes we have been yeah, on yeah. the same time. Uh, I'll be on from the 12th to the 28th at the underbelly. I'll be on at 5.10. And one of the reasons for that is because my, I know my punters. They'll go, 5.10, hang on. We can watch that. We can go to a meal. We can be back in the yeah. hotel by fucking 9pm. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I know the crowd. Listen, I mean, I can say quite genuinely that when I'm up at the Fringe, I always check out Mark's show. Uh, so, so should you. So just remain to say thank you to Mark Nelson for being on the show. Thanks so much, man. Been a pleasure. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Oh,